Welcome to the Rosemont Baptist Church Podcast. Rosemont is a thriving group of believers who desire to connect with Jesus and His church, grow in faith and understanding of God's Word, and serve in our local area and around the world. We are located in LaGrange, Georgia at 3794 Hamilton Road and invite you to attend any of our three services on Sunday mornings. Please visit our website at rosemontchurch.org for more information. And now we pray that God speaks to you in a personal way as you listen to this week's message from Pastor Adam Camp. Take your Bibles open to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. Well, listen, you got as you're finding Matthew chapter 4, just a small little taste of what this weekend was about. Just an incredible time with our students. Uh, We had several hundred students from, I think, eight different churches around uh, this area that came to D now here at Rosemont. High energy high excitement. I think Rosemont alone had 17 host homes, I think, 18 host homes, 140 or 50 kids, close to 200 when you include all the workers and the volunteers. So if you were part of D-Now, if you helped put D-Now on, if you stayed up constantly all weekend because kids were at your house, thank you, thank you, thank you. Let's thank all these people and these kids for what they did this weekend. Thank you to John. Fantastic job. Uh, He put together a great team, our worship team, incredible, exciting. He told me this morning we had seven salvations for sure, five kids that want to talk about baptism, 50 plus that understand they're sinners and they want to do something about that. They have questions. So just an incredible weekend, an exciting weekend. Students, I want you to know, I want you to hear from me, right, as the pastor of this church, we love you. We love you. We support you. We're here for you, okay? All these people that drove you around, that fixed you food, that let you stay at their house, we do that because we love Jesus and we love you, and we want to help you, okay? We know it's not easy. We know the struggles you go through are real. We know all the things that you deal with at school and peer pressure and social media. We want you to know we're here to help you. We're here to partner with your families, We want to walk through whatever struggles you're going through so that you can roar for Jesus in this world, right? That's what we want. That's what we desire. So all this was designed to proclaim the name of Jesus so you guys would know it and hear it and be excited about it. Man, the energy level was great. So excited for what the Lord's doing through this group. And so this morning, as we look in Matthew chapter 4, students, it's neat how the Lord always kind of sets things up exactly as he wants them, right? We're walking through the life of Christ. We're kind of building off the one at Christmas, and we're going through all the way up until Easter, the life of Jesus. We're walking through the Gospels. We're talking about who Jesus is. And it's neat to me how he brought us this morning into this text right when D-Now was happening, because let me just kind of catch you up a little about what's going on here, right? Jesus, last week we started in Matthew chapter 3, Jesus enters the picture, right? He's been born, and then he goes for probably 30 years in obscurity. And nobody hears from him. There are a couple of verses sprinkled in the Gospels that tells he's growing up and learning, but there's nothing really about how he lived as a child. And then all of a sudden, Matthew chapter 3, Jesus enters the picture, right? John the Baptist has prepared the way. He's in the wilderness preaching and teaching. Jesus appears 
John baptizes him. And then the Bible teaches us in Matthew chapter 4, the next thing that Jesus does when he comes up out of the water, out of the Jordan River, out of baptism, he goes into the wilderness to be tempted. Now, I think it's neat because we're going to learn a lot about how Jesus responded to temptation this morning. And I think there's a lot of application because as we see how Jesus responded and what he understands about temptation, there's a lot of things we can apply to our lives about how we understand temptation and how we respond to it. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, students, but I I promise you, parents, you know this. If I asked our students, has anybody been tempted to do anything they shouldn't do in the last few days, in the last week? Every hand, right? Stacy mentioned social media and the, and the struggle that these students deal with, the things that they have to look at, the things they have to think about, all the struggles of life, all the temptations of life. Jesus and his word gives us clarity here. It's not the world we run to for answers, it's Christ. We don't keep our eyes on the social media feeds, we keep our eyes on Jesus. And so this temptation in Matthew chapter 4 is going to teach us how he responded and show us how we can respond as well. Now, there's a little bit of background I want you to get, and it's just cool to me. I talk a lot about the Old Testament and how the Old Testament looks ahead to who Jesus was going to be. And we talk about the prophecies, and I talk about the the fancy word is the meta-narrative, right? The big picture of Scripture. These are not isolated events, students. This is one story from the beginning of time until the end. So there's this interesting parallel here between what Jesus did and what the people of Israel did when they left Egypt. Right? They come out of captivity and we know the story because Exodus kind of walks us through all the things that they did. We know that the people of Israel came out of the wilderness and we came out of Egypt and wandered into the wilderness and we know through the story through reading in Exodus that as the Lord led them out of Israel the first thing that they did is they crossed through the waters of the Red Sea right Jesus now the first thing he's going to do he's going to cross through the waters of baptism the children of Israel wander in the wilderness for 40 years seeking the Lord seeking to follow his will for them, Jesus is going to walk through the wilderness for 40 days seeking the will of the Lord for him. The people of Israel are going to fail. They're not going to be able to fully trust the Lord in the wilderness to provide for them. They're going to grumble. They're going to wander. They're going to fail in what the Lord calls them to do. Jesus, on the other hand, is going to fulfill all that the Father calls him to do. So what the people of Israel could not accomplish, what Moses could not accomplish, Jesus accomplishes in his 40 days in the wilderness. So it's just a reminder that the Lord is at work. It's a reminder that the Lord has had a plan from the beginning. And it's a reminder that all the people through history that could not fulfill the will of the Father Jesus could. And so we don't rely on the things of the world. We instead rely on Christ. So here's two simple questions I want you to answer this morning as we walk through this text. Number one, how did Jesus deal with temptation? And number two, what can we learn from him? How did Jesus deal with temptation? What can we learn from him? So let's jump right in this morning, Matthew chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Right, Jesus has just come out of the waters of baptism Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus, this is important, we're going to come back to it, was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness. Wasn't an accident. We'll come back to that, right? To be tempted by the devil. 
And after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, it's written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now we're thinking this morning about Jesus. We're thinking about his life. We're thinking about his ministry. We're thinking about the temptations that the enemy used in order to distract him. So here's the first thing I want you to see this morning, clearly right here in this text. Number one, Satan tempts us with physical desires. Right, the enemy is going to tempt us with physical desires. Now, there's some things I want you to get, I want you to see, right? So if you're looking at verse 1 there, I want you to notice something very interesting that happens. Verse 1 says Jesus was led by the Spirit. I don't want you to think that this was an accident. I don't want you to think that Jesus came up out of the water and just kind of started walking around and didn't quite know what to do and just randomly walked into the wilderness. I want you to understand that from the beginning, this was God's plan. So let's take it a step farther here, right? It wasn't just God's plan that Jesus would walk into the wilderness. It was God's plan that Jesus would endure great suffering and temptation while in the wilderness. Now, we need to get this biblical truth because this isn't something that's easy for us, but here's what the Bible teaches. Through temptation and struggle and trials and difficulties, the Lord strengthens our faith. In fact, James talks about this. James chapter 1 gives us a very interesting idea of exactly how we should think about the struggles in our life. Here's what James says. James chapter one, beginning verse two. He begins this verse by saying, count it joy, my brothers. And we're thinking, okay, count it joy when something good happens. That's not what James says. Count it joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in Nothing. So we get this idea scripturally, students, you need to hear this, that sometimes the struggles we go through are being used by the Lord to strengthen our faith. And so you have to kind of start thinking about the, the struggles and the trials you're going through. And you have to kind of take this mindset of what is the Lord doing in my life through this struggle? What's the Lord trying to teach me as I deal with this kid at school that's mean to me? What's the Lord trying to teach me as I deal with this teacher that doesn't seem to like me? What's the Lord doing through this trials? I don't seem to fit in sometimes with my friend group. Right? What can I learn from this? How is the Lord using this in order for me to strengthen my faith, to trust him more, to grow in righteousness? So we see this idea, right, that the enemy is going to attack Jesus. He's going to tempt Jesus, but he's going to do it when he's at his weakest, right? Jesus is fasted. He's hungry, the Bible tells us. He's tired. He's weak physically. Yeah, just kind of a side note here, the enemy usually attacks us when we're weakest. Did you know that? The enemy's going to look for your weak spot. He's going to look where you're vulnerable. He's going to attack you there. So he attacks Jesus with something that seems good. Here's what he says in verse 3. If you're the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Now, I want you to remember something. This is important, right? We've already seen this as we think, think about the Spirit leading Jesus into the wilderness. We need to understand God from the beginning had a plan. 
Did you know God has a plan for your life? Did you know that? God, from the beginning, had a plan. And so the Lord wants Jesus to walk through the wilderness and to struggle and to have these difficulties, but God the Father is gonna provide for him, right? He's gonna use this in Jesus' life. And so Satan is gonna tempt Jesus and he's gonna try to convince Jesus that he should ignore the will of the Father, ignore the plan that the Father has for him, watch, and short-circuit this, take matters into his own hand and make this stone bread. God the Father was going to provide for Jesus. Jesus wasn't going to die of starvation. God had a plan, but the devil said, listen, you don't need to worry about his plan. My plan is better. Take this stone, turn it into bread, instant gratification. You can eat right now. Now, there's nothing wrong with bread. This is where it gets tricky. There's nothing wrong with eating bread. Nothing wrong with a sandwich or a roll or biscuit or whatever you like, right? There's nothing wrong with bread. And there's nothing wrong with Jesus eating bread. The problem was that the devil was trying to trick Jesus not to wait on the will of the Father, not to wait on the timing of the Father, not to fulfill the Father's perfect plan, but instead do what Jesus wanted to do right now to fulfill whatever craving physically he had right now outside of the will of the Father. Now here's what the devil does. The devil oftentimes takes things that are designed for good and he uses them for evil. Let me say that again. He takes oftentimes those things that are good, and he uses them for evil. I'm going to give you a couple that you guys struggle with. Students, we all struggle with this. Students, I want you to listen to what I'm saying. Physical intimacy between a man and a woman is designed for marriage. That might not be what TikTok says, That might not be what Instagram says. That might not be what your friends think. That might not be the prevailing wisdom guys in the locker room. That might not be what some other people think, but the scripture is clear. Like God provided this beautiful picture of physical intimacy between one man and one woman in the confines of marriage, right? So that's a beautiful thing. Satan takes it and tricks us and lies to us. Listen, students, you don't need to wait on God's plan for marriage. You need to do this right now. You need to gratify the physical desire right here and right now. Don't wait. Nobody's waiting. Nobody else is doing that. It's not worth it. You can do what you want to do right now, right? And so the devil takes something that is beautiful, that is designed for us. Joyfully, God has given this to us. He takes it and he tricks us and he says, listen, you need to short circuit God's plan for your life. Don't wait for marriage. Do it now. It's the enemy lying to you. Trust me enemy lying to you. God's got a better plan for your life than that. How about guys working out? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. How many guys work out, right? Lots of guys work out. I had ninth grade boys at my house this weekend. They love to demonstrate how strong they are, right? Where are my ninth grade boys? Give me a shout out. Where are you guys? That's not a shout out. Give me a shout out. Oh my goodness. That is weak. Man, if I had y'all in my living room right now, come on boys. They like to show how strong they are, like working out. We're in, that's good. There's nothing wrong with working out. But listen, some of us, not me, clearly you can tell, some of us have taken that to the extreme where working out becomes an idol for us. 
Nothing wrong with muscles, nothing wrong with working out, nothing wrong with getting in shape. But when all you're doing is getting in shape so the girls think you're good looking, right, and it becomes an idol for you, and you set that above the things of the Lord, Satan has taken something that's good, he's tempted you with it, he's used it to bring sin into your life. Girls, I'm not just talking to the guys, right, we like to look good, right? Now, I've got three daughters, so I get this, man. You're, you're, I, I get it. I can talk to you about looking good and getting ready. I know how that works. Makeup, rollers, flipping breakers because we got too many hair dryers going at the same time. Been there, done that, right? I get it. Nothing wrong with looking nice, right? I married a beautiful woman. I love, she's so beautiful. I love that, right? But sometimes beauty takes precedence over the things of the Lord, doesn't it? It becomes our idol. We're more concerned about how we look on the outside than how our heart looks to Jesus on the inside. Nothing wrong with looking pretty. Nothing wrong with makeup, looking nice. All the things are wonderful and good, but put them in the right perspective, right? Don't let the enemy trick you into thinking it's all about your looks because the world's going to lie to you, girls. The world's going to tell you it's all about how you look. Jesus sees the heart. Did you know that? And I promise you, if you find the right guy, he's going to see the heart too. The enemy's going to take the things that are good. He's going to use them to trick you, to lead you to sin, oftentimes physically. Look at the response. we got to keep going here. I'm going I'm to get into our, our time at lunch if I don't hurry up here. Matthew 4, 4. Listen to how Jesus answered. It's written, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. Right As the enemy tempts, Jesus responds with Scripture. Jesus responds with with scripture. We'll get back to that here in just a second. Let's look at the second temptation. Look at Matthew 4, verse 5. So that didn't work. Physical didn't work. So then the Bible says the devil took him to the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it's written he will command his angels concerning you. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, again it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. So he's tested physically, right? Let's short circuit God the Father's will for your life. Let's get instant gratification right now. Here's the second thing. Satan tempts us oftentimes by questioning God. Satan's going to tempt you students by questioning God, right? Throw yourself down off this high pinnacle on the temple and the angels are going to take care of you, so you're not even going to strike any foot against the stone, right? The devil says, listen, you need to prove that you are Messiah. You need to prove that God the Father really is at work in your life. You need to prove, Jesus, that God really does have a plan for you in this world. Now, this is what Satan's been doing from the beginning. Did you know that? He's been questioning and questioning and questioning and drip, 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 drip. Question, 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 right? Is God real? Hmm. Can he be trusted? Is he really going to work in your life, right? Same thing he did in the very beginning, Genesis chapter 3. God had created everything good, and then the Bible says in Genesis 3, 1, the serpent, this is the same devil we're talking about in Matthew 4, is the same devil in Genesis 3. The serpent was more crafty than any other beast in the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, listen, the first thing the devil says in Scripture, did God actually say? He's questioning God already. 
you shall not eat of any tree in the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that's in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Watch verse 4 of Genesis 3. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. From the beginning, Satan has been questioning the Lord and tricking you into believing that God isn't real. And so maybe you've fallen prey to this, student. Maybe you're wondering, is God real? (laughs) Can he be trusted? Is he really going to work in my life? Listen, the enemy is going to do everything he can to lie to you, to move you off truth, to convince you that God is not real and he's not at work in your life. I want you to look at how Jesus responds. Jesus says very simply in verse 7 of Matthew 4, again it's written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Right? We've seen time and time again that Jesus, when he's tempted, is going to respond how? Using the word of God. Right, the older I get, and parents, you probably can attest to this, I become more and more convinced this is the antidote to sin. When I set this aside, right, and don't pick it up as often as I need to, it's amazing how sin creeps in my life. When I'm in this thing on a regular basis and I'm hiding this word in my heart and I'm living by this and I'm loving others the way Christ commands me, I'm treating others the way Christ commands me, I'm thinking on the things of the Lord, it's amazing how sin kind of stays outside of the doors. Jesus responds with Scripture. Jesus responds with truth. Jesus responds by saying, listen, God has got a plan. I believe his plan. I'm going to listen to his plan. I'm going to trust his plan. I'm going to trust his word. Now, let's look at the third temptation here as we finish up. Then I'm going to give you some application as we wind this thing down. Matthew chapter 4, verse 8, right? So he's tested him physically. Take the bread, short circuit God's plan for your life. Do the physical gratification now. Don't wait. That's a sin. Then he's going to test, is the faith real? Is God real? Is he really going to work? Has he really got a plan for your life? Jesus is going to respond again using Scripture. Now look at verse 8 of Matthew 4. Again, the devil took him. Right, first two didn't work. But the devil took him to a very high mountain. He showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to them, all these I will give you if you'll fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it's written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. Here's the third thing this morning. Satan oftentimes tempts us by offering us power and glory. Now, adults, I think we struggle a little bit more with this than our students do. I think if we were honest with each other, adults, we love the idea of having power and glory in our lives. We want people to look up to us, right, and to think we're smart or intelligent or successful or we've got this power or this ability or this authority, right? And so we work really hard to have those things. We work really hard to get those things. We work really hard, if we're not careful, to bring glory to ourselves instead of to God the Father, And so life really comes down to a couple of choices, students. And this is a real simplified way of thinking about this. But life really comes down to two choices. I can either please God or I can please self. 
And Satan's trying to convince Jesus. Listen, even though Jesus has got all the power, he's got all the authority, he's got all the glory, Satan tries to tempt him. Listen, let's short-circuit God's plan for your life. Let's short-circuit the perfect. Let's get it right now. Let's receive all this power and glory by bowing down to me. Jesus' response again is found in the word of God, right? It is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Now, I'm going to finish with four things, right? Because you're thinking, I get it. Temptation, man, the physical, I get it. You may be thinking, I struggle with that. I struggle with the physical on so many different levels. Guys have one struggle physically. Girls have a different set of struggles, but we're all struggling on some level, right? You may be thinking, I I struggle with that trust issue. I, I wonder sometimes, is God really working? Is he real? Can he really do things in my life? Or maybe you're saying, listen, I, I get the last one. I struggle with the idea of power or authority, right? I want to receive power. I want to receive glory. I want people to think I'm smart enough and I'm good enough. We were all in the same boat, different levels, different places. Here's the question. How do we overcome temptation? How do we defeat the attacks of the enemy? Four things this morning, then I'm finished. First, stay in the word of God. That might sound cliche. You might think, well, the pastor has to say that. You may think that's an obvious thing to say. All those things are true. It's not about whether you know it's true. It's about whether or not you're doing it. Are you actively staying in the Word of God? Romans 12, 2, don't conform to this world. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by the testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Psalm 119, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. If you want to overcome temptation, stay in the word of God. Number two, pray. Jesus, as he's with his disciples in the garden of Gethsemane, says to them in Luke chapter 22, verse 40, when he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation, right? You want to avoid temptation, you want to defeat temptation, stay in the word of God, Spend time in prayer. Three, students, flee immediately. Don't put yourself in situations that will allow you or cause you to sin. You need to run from it. You need to run from it right now. You need to think ahead so you're not around those people or you're not around that person or you're not in this location or you're not doing these specific things They're going to get you to this point where you're going to sin. Because if you haven't made the decision on the front end, chances are you're going to give in when the moment hits. So I'm thinking ahead. I'm wise. I'm looking down the road thinking, I need to stay out of these situations, and when they arise, I need to flee immediately. And then the fourth thing, the last thing, if you want to defeat temptation, keep your eyes on Jesus. Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Watch, here it is. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of faith. For the joy, watch, set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Temptation will come. Struggle will come. Seek the Lord. Trust him with everything. Stay in his word. Pray. Flee temptation immediately. Keep your eyes on Jesus. And now we're going to finish by reading a verse. Matthew chapter 6, 
verse 33, right? If you want to commit a verse to memory that'll help you, that will keep you focused, it's this verse. Let's read it out loud together. Here we go. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And Father, we thank you for your goodness We thank you for your glory. We thank you for the way in which Christ taught us, Father, in Matthew chapter 4, about temptation, about the struggles of temptation, how he defeated temptation, Father, and how we can as well, relying not on our own abilities or strength, but relying on you by studying your word, by praying, by fleeing, by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Father, speak to us very clearly this morning. May these students and these parents and these adults and the people watching at home Father, the people in overflow, let these people, let us, Father, hear this truth, be challenged by this truth, live for your glory. It's in the precious name of Jesus we pray, amen.